Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. There is a Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together they worked the young team to the top. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup! Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Marinero, I'm back. Uh, What's going on with my screen here? It looks like there's too many things in the way. Uh, Does everybody hear me or what? Uh, This is the first time I'm back since my trip to Portugal, so I don't even know if I know how to do this anymore type of thing. You know what I mean? But anyway, here we are, and uh, I am back, and uh, I'm not in a... I'm not in a very good mood tonight for a couple of reasons I'm going to talk to you about in a second. But, yeah, I'll talk to you about it. I'm not in a very good mood tonight. Uh, the SICK Podcast brought to you by Energy Transportation Group, a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different also. Brought to you in part by Labitta TV, brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards. Labitta TV offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. Labitta TV, embrace your true nature. Also brought to you in part by... Playground, over 30,000 square feet of new gaming, dining, and entertainment space. Time to reacquaint yourself with Playground. World-class sushi, AAA steaks, live shows, a brand-new poker floor, and so much more located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal. Playground, Playground, experience the strip without the trip. And, of course, brought to you in part by Accent Insurance Solutions. And uh, all insurance isn't created equal. I've told you that already. You know where to find the right solution for you. It's with Accent Insurance because what they do, they don't sell insurance. They actually shop it for you so that you can find the right product from right on the money, the right price, whatever your insurance needs, whether it's home, automobile, or business. And uh, when you take a look at their phone number or when I'm going to say out their phone number, uh, you're basically going to think of my buddy, Sergio Mameso, because he wore number 36. The number is 363-3636. That's 514-363-3636. Call the Accent team today. The Montreal Canadiens, I wouldn't say shock the hockey world because this is what hockey is. It's 82 games, uh, and once again, you can lose to the worst team in the San Jose Sharks. You can beat one of the best teams in the the New York Rangers. You can beat one of the best teams and one of the best offenses in the Colorado Avalanche, and then you you can give up, I don't know, four goals to Buffalo in one period. It's anybody can beat anybody on any given night. That's what the National Hockey League is. Um, I'm going to tell you, I, I should be excited tonight because I thought Suzuki was real good. I thought Caulfield had some jump in his step. Y'all are me out of all guys. Once again, you know what? Quietly having a, a pretty good season for the Montreal Canadiens. If you would have told me before the season started or when the season started and we found out that Armia was going to Laval, that on January 15th, he'd be fourth for the Montreal Canadiens in goals and he'd have seven goals and he'd have the same amount of goals 
on January 15th and he had all of last season, only do it in 16 fewer games, I probably wouldn't believe you. But anyway, we have a lot to talk about tonight, and uh, let's uh, get it all started with Nicolas Cloutier of TVA Spar. Nick, what's going on? Real good, Tony, and, and don't worry. You, you haven't lost it, buddy. It, it's like uh, hopping on a bicycle for you. Uh, uh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. But uh, look, I, I'm an open book, okay? I'm an open book, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say it the way it is, all right? Sure. So I, I, I was uh, away for 17 days, and, and where I was, by the way, I didn't have access to the app where I can have fun while watching games and watch it with a particular interest where I can put a dollar or two, right? So I came back to today and last night, and I said to myself, I go, you know what? Let me take a look at what's out there. And um, I was going to put a couple of dollars on the Vegas Golden Knights to beat the Nashville Predators by two goals or more. And uh, I'm just about to click send on what would have been a real good payday, by the way. We lost Nick. Did we lose Nick? We lost Nick. All right. So now I'm talking to myself. I knew there was something wrong. You see, I'm talking to myself. Let me have a supporter. That's what I said. Sorry, Tony. Sorry, Tony. Don't worry about it. I just took like what was supposed to be a sip of water and I ended up drinking like half the bottle. Oh, so anyway, long story short, I'm just about to hit confirm bet. Mm -hmm. And I go, you know what? Um, the amount that I wanted to put was a little bit excessive. And because anybody can beat anybody, I'm not going to do that. So I'll play a couple of parlays here and then. So then anyway, long story short, I had a hunch that Raphael RV Pinard, who didn't have a goal yet this season, he works real hard. It's a big game for the Canadians tonight against one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. They're coming off a couple of, you know, uh, losses here and there. Uh, I go, you know what? Let me put a, uh, let me put uh, just a little bet on Raphael RV Pinard to be the last goal scorer in the game. So we he's the last goal scorer. He, yeah, he scored, yeah, 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 yeah. So he, pay, he, he he scores a goal to tie the game at two. And yep. so now the emotions I'm going through, I'm like, okay, please. It finishes 2-2 the second period. I know where this is going. Let this game go to a shootout. He's going to be the last goal scorer in the game. I'm going to win my bet. Anyway, the Canadians, Yoel Armiev scores to give the Montreal Canadiens a lead. And I say, you know what? Perfect. Because RV Pinard works hard. I bet you he'll be on the yep, ice. He'll be on the ice. Hockey game. Minute. There he is. <laughs> You get to pass with an open net. Let's bring up the let's bring up the wager if we can. Let's look at that. Twenty. Okay, so you 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 have proof now because I was gonna say Tony, it's yeah. easy to say after the fact. Yeah, twenty six times your money, uh, sixteen dollar wager oh, for a return of four sixteen. Sixteen for four sixteen. There we go. Anthony, Jesus, that, that's brutal. Well, one, one, one second, please. I have a son who's playing PlayStation right, right here with his buddies. He knows I'm doing a podcast. Not to mention I'm nervous right now. I'm a little upset. And by the way, th this happens when you put a dollar or two on a game and it doesn't go your way. You, you tend to be in a bad mood. Anthony. Anthony. Hello. Anthony. Okay. I'm doing the podcast and everyone hears you. You know the one that pays the bills? That puts food on the table. That add little extra income that allows you to, to, to have fun on some of your entertainment. That's what I'm doing, okay? For what I do it weeknights, yeah, Monday to Thursday at 10 p.m. Yeah, but I heard 
No, okay. I'm nervous now. I'm nervous. I'm right. nervous. Yeah. I also also had Jonathan Drouin to take a couple of shots. And Drouin, I, 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 I understand he's going through a good moment. He's picked up points. He's doing well. This guy doesn't shoot. He does not shoot. Pass, 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 pass. That's drawing. That's drawing. Yeah, I know, but I figured, you know what? He's playing against his former team. He's probably going to want to score, right? So I went with the over two shots and a half. Last time I checked, I don't think he had any. He just kept on passing over and over and over and over and over again. Anyway. All right. Okay. So now I had a chance to vent. That's my story. I was going to put pretty big bucks on Vegas. I was going to end up winning real big, real big, okay? I decided not to, and instead I played a couple of little parlays, and I put Rafael Arvi Pinard to be the last goal scorer of the game, and he missed an open net, what, about how many feet out? 15? Uh, probably 15. Probably and, 15 feet out, yeah. And Jake yeah. Evans just put it on a platter for him. Uh, Jake Evans could, could have just taken that puck and, and, and scored the goal himself, but he wanted yeah. to give that goal to Alvey Pinal. Yeah. You see what he did? You have no idea how much I like Raphael Arvey Pinard. Mm -hmm. I love, I should say, loved this kid. But right now, I'm not happy with him. Okay. But anyway, it is you what it I is. My, I'm my own parlay story during the draft last yeah. year. Uh, this parlay would have fetched me a uh, thousand bucks. Okay, so it okay. was a parlay where six scenarios add to it. Yeah, and at some point during the night, I was five of five out of six. So yeah. the only thing I needed to hit uh, re remaining was uh, Edward. Uh, the Quentin Musty had to be drafted before Edward Sal. Yeah. That didn't, didn't happen, happen, by the way, because Musty yeah, went twenty-six. I only needed this one remaining scenario. Add five, add five out of six. Only need this one to hit uh, to fetch uh, like a thousand-dollar parlay. Yeah, yeah. So that, you know, Tony, I feel your yeah. pain. Yeah, no, no, that hurts. But uh, yeah, it really hurts when your player misses an empty net. Yeah, that yeah. that really that hurts. Right. Anyway, so I got that out of the way. My rant is out of the way. I just it it that happens sometimes. It's just not your night tonight. Yeah. It's sometimes they say it's just not meant to be. Tonight it was not meant to be. I could have had Vegas. I didn't go. I ended up going with Rafael RV Pinard to be the last goal scorer. And you know what? I just mm, F my life. Okay, now it's out of the way. Earlier this morning, Montreal Canadiens general manager Kent Hughes spoke with members of the media, uh, had a press conference for the mm -hmm. to comment on uh the midway point of the season. I, I think, by the way, because the Canadians played tonight and there's so many things to talk about the game and the players, that most of my comments regarding what Kent Hughes said earlier today will be for tomorrow night's podcast, okay? So tonight was game day. Wednesday night is going to be game night as well. Thursday night's going to be game night as well. I think I'm going to keep most of what Kent Hughes said earlier today for tomorrow night's podcast. And tonight we're going to talk about the game. All right, okay. Um, who are the real Montreal Canadiens? Are they the uh, team that loses to San Jose and gives up four to Buffalo in the third or whatever it is? Or are they the team uh, that beat the New York Rangers and uh, and the Colorado Avalanche in the last couple of weeks? Well, why can't they be somewhere in the middle? Because they're not the team that, that lost to the San Jose, San Jose Sharks, but 
they're I don't think they're the team we saw tonight either. I mean, they're not they're not that team consistently at least. And uh, Marty Louis, he keeps repeating that, and I think he really likes that line. He, he keeps saying we're chasing consistency. Well, consistency, they're still chasing it as far as I'm concerned, and they might still chase it next year. Um, because I mean, d- defensively, defensively is where um, I guess I'm I'm worried because they do have some depth defensively, uh, but um, I think system wise, they they still have a lot of lapses, and, and we we still quite don't know like how do they want to play as a team defensively? Is it a zone defense? Is it a man to man? We're still confused, and we see the the same mistakes happening. Um, game after game. Offensively, I, I mean, uh, St. Louis doesn't have the horses yet. I mean, they're, they're, some people are, are going to come through the draft and, and some pieces are, are going to fall in place. But I, I'm mostly worried about um, uh, how cohesive this, this group is defensively uh, since the beginning of the season. Because the, goal, the, the goaltenders, they, they've, been, they've been saving uh, this team for, for a while now. And by the way, it, Samuel Montabo, of course, was uh, absolutely fantastic uh, on the weekend and has yeah. been fantastic over the last couple of weeks, especially Jake Allen was very, very good tonight. I mean, uh, who would have thought that Jake Allen would have beat the Colorado Avalanche? Maybe yeah. Jake Allen did, but Jake Allen did beat the Colorado Avalanche tonight. And it was a good game by him because, yes, he was helped by his posts on a couple of occasions. Uh, and, and, um, and of course, there was a, a fan shot at pretty much an empty net with about a minute to go in the game. But Allen made some big stops in this game, notably the ones that I can think of uh, were it was a bang-bang play. It was a couple of stops off Nathan McKinnon late in the hockey mm-hmm. game, which are the ones that stick out. The Colorado Avalanche tonight got a lot of traffic in front of Jake Allen, they tried to get as many pucks to the net as possible. So he was flustered a bit by by the, the traffic in front of his net. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And and listen, the quality of the shots that he's facing, when you're facing shots from McKinnon, you're facing shots from uh, Rantanen, and you're facing shots from even Kale McClar- McCarr, and it could be from the blue line. Doesn't McCarr tonight was, again, I mean, at times he was unbelievable. Nathan McKinnon at times was unbelievable um samuel gerard with the puck was unbelievable without the puck i thought he was a disaster but uh evan days we don't talk about him but he's one hell of a player as well devin taves was unbelievable tonight but uh, you know what we're talking about all the colorado avalanche who are unbelievable and the montreal canadians end up winning this hockey game I, I really like Nick Suzuki tonight. I mean, as much oh, yeah. as as much as McKinnon was unbelievable, like he was he was he was like going toe to toe with him. He was going head to head. At one point, we saw some trash talking up and down the ice. You saw Nick Suzuki. You don't normally see that side of Suzuki, uh, nope. Nick. No, he's more he's more he's mostly calm and measured. But you know, not even Nick Suzuki. I, I'd say Tony. It's one of the one of the 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 biggest positives I'm, I'm thinking out of tonight's game is. How the the first line played as a whole, not not even only Suzuki. It's, it's one of the best games that this this first line played, and and bodes so well for the future if they, these three can gel together like that. And they've been gelling together the last few games, and it's yeah. fun to see those three just sticking together and 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 Saint Louis keeping that that uh, that combination intact because. Uh, you know what? Slavkovsky has been wowing me as well. He, he goes out of the corners. He seems to win every battle. I mean, he scores garbage goals. But you know what? I love the fact that he takes out the garbage because 
uh, it's a very consistent pattern of scoring he's finding right now. If you would tell me, oh, he's scoring these goals with uh, these snipes from like the top of the circles again and again, I would be like, yeah, Tony, okay, but it, is that going to be sustainable? Because Slavkovsky is not Caulfield. Slavkovsky is not a sniper. No, Slavkovsky scoring goals he's supposed to score right now. He's scoring goals that are reflecting his identity as a player. Yeah. It's such a good sign for his growth as a player to me. I have something for you. Are you ready? I'm ready for you. Nathan McKinnon, Yuri Slavkovsky, Kale McCarr. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Nope. Most shots on goal in tonight's hockey game. McKinnon, oh. seven. Slavkovsky, six. McCarr, okay. six. And you know what, Tony? Yeah, he finished the game with six shots. I think he had five of those in the first period, if I'm not mistaken. He had a monster first period. Come down a bit after, but in the first period, he was all over the ice. When, when, he, the first. when he scored that goal to tie up the game, and actually, you know what? Without further ado, why don't we bring up the lines for tonight's hockey game? And yellow, yep. Sammy, Juliana, and Master Control. Let's bring them up here if we can. And we don't have them. I'm going to lose my mind, I think. I think I'm going to lose my mind. No room. Okay. Okay. We okay. We gotta make room for the lines. Okay. They're a must. Every single game. We have to make room for the lines. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. So uh anyway, what what you need to know is this is that um of course the line that dominated for the Canadians tonight was the line once again of Suzuki. Um, Slavkovsky and Caulfield. And by the way, I saw this on social media, but supposedly uh, there was a show tonight that was talking about Slavkovsky uh, being sent down to the fourth line or whatever it is. Yeah. Slavkovsky has been up on the first line for about a month, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? You saw that? You heard that? Or I, I saw that. Yeah. It was all yeah. over social media. People were yeah. not were not happy about that coverage. Yeah, yeah. That's That's, that's you know, like... I mean, they've, at some point you have to, you have to watch the uh, the other Canadian teams, you know, Tony. They've been together for about a month now, right? Uh, on the yeah, first night yeah. together so for stop about a month. Stop watching yeah. the Leafs and uh, watch the Mavs game at some point. All right, okay. Um, Jesse Yelonen, by the way, left this hockey game at one point. Uh, he got clipped. Went to the uh, uh, went to the, uh, yeah. the locker room for uh, for some repairs, and uh, so you, you saw on that uh, Yol Armia game winning goal. Uh, the work done by Armia and Stevens and even Monaghan. But Yoel Armia, I got to tell you, I've never seen him work as hard yep. as oh, he yeah. did on that goal that he scored. It was absolutely unbelievable by Yoel Armia. Let's bring up the goal scorers in tonight's game. Let's see if we have that or we got the, Okay, we got that. All right, thank you. Uh, Colton with his 10th on the power play at 428, the period number one. Assist go to Drouin and Makar. And Colton was there. He was in front of the net. There's a shot by McCarr that got deflected by Drouin. And then Colton got a couple of stabs at it. one nothing. Slavkowski, uh, less than three minutes later, power play goal as well for him. Caulfield to Suzuki. Nick Suzuki's passing ability. The pass to Caulfield the other night and the pass to Slavkowski tonight. This is elite. Folks, yep. I'm going to tell you something. A lot of people watching right now and a lot of people that will be listening tomorrow on 
uh, Apple or Spotify or Google or whatever you want to use to listen. A lot of people will not consider Nick Suzuki elite. They will not consider Nick Suzuki a number one centerman, and a lot of people will. Nick Suzuki's passing ability is elite. It's off the charts. Nick Suzuki's hockey brain is elite. Um, Nick Suzuki's wrist shot is is not a 50-goal score wrist shot, but it's, it's one level below elite. It's a very, very good wrist shot. Um, Nick Suzuki's 200-foot game is elite. Elite. Nick Suzuki's getting better in the face-off circle every day. Tonight, he was particularly strong in the, in the face-off circle going, what was it? I think it was 65% or something like that. Let me see if I can bring it up. Last time I checked, it was very, very high. It was in the mid-60s. It was 65.4% for Nick Suzuki tonight. So Nick Suzuki, Nick, right now, does not put up elite points. Mm-hmm. Okay? He doesn't put up elite goal scoring. He doesn't put up elite points. But almost everything else is elite. And okay. so he's so, on his so, way so, there. So you, you mentioned a lot of elite qualities. Yeah. So if he's elite in all those facets, at the end of the day, you must think he's an elite player, right? I so, think he's an elite player. And you know what okay, else I so, think? So my, when my question to you is, Slavkowski becomes Slavkowski in four mm-hmm. years down the line, and Caulfield plays to Caulfield potential night in, night out. Okay. So he finds that consistency. I believe that Nick Suzuki will put up that one point per game that so many Canadians fans are one looking for. Okay. I believe he'll put it up. But, I mean, a lot of players are able to put a point per game now in today's NHL because m- more goals are scored. So when we're saying elite, I just I just want us to be um, clear on the definition. Uh If you if you take all the fours in the in the NHL, is he what like top 30, top 20, top 15? Where is he? Where is Nick uh, all Suzuki? the all the forwards in the NHL? I I, yeah. I say I'll say this, okay? I'll say there's 32 teams in the National Hockey League. Okay. So for the sake of rounding it out, let's just say 32 players. He's in the top 32 forwards in the National Hockey League. Okay. See, top 32. I don't know if that's elite for me. But that's it's semantics at this point. Okay. For me, elite is like top 10, top 15, you know? Yeah, for me, for me, uh top 10 is another level. Okay. And then after 10 to 30 is is elite. Sure. Then then Suzuki can be elite, yeah. We're But do you what do you think about that? When I say if yeah. if we take 32 teams, 32 forwards, um, he's in the top 32 in the league. Yeah, we, yeah. We saw that so. last week, courtesy of Sport Logic that he's, what, top 13 or top 14 in terms of uh, possession in the offensive zone? Of course. Uh, I mean, he's elite in a lot of aspects. The only thing that it, – it's just that, that there's some stretches during a season where you kind of lose Suzuki. If And I think it's 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 a matter of experience, I guess, and, and you're going to see less and less of that as he ages. But, I, I mean, uh, maybe a couple of months earlier, we were saying Suzuki uh, isn't having that great of a season. And now the, the the narrative has completely changed because Suzuki has been playing so much better and, and he's been carrying this team and he's been the, the engine of this team offensively. Uh, yeah, that, that's clear. But we weren't having the same discourse earlier. So so what I'm saying is right now, 
if you look at his play right now, he's elite in a lot of aspects, and he's and he's really been carrying this team. Like, there's no doubt about this. But there's there are always, I mean, there seems to be uh, in the last two or three years some stretches of play during a season where where he kind of uh, disappears. And you know what? I think it's it's kind of normal because he's not that well surrounded, and he has to, he has, has a lot on his shoulders. But I think when we see those stretches of play where it disappears uh, be less and less frequent, well, yes, he, he's going to take that step and he's going to be that that point-per-game player. And we're going to talk about a Suzuki like uh, an elite player, sure. All right. Uh, Cole Caulfield. Uh, let, let's get back to the goals, actually. So Slavkovsky ties uh, the game at one. Mm-hmm. And then after that, let's go to period number two. In period number two, it's Kale McCarr with a, a rifle of a shot. Raphael Arvi Pernard working real strong and real hard. He's able he's compensated for his efforts. He ties the game at two. It's at that point that and I'm first hoping goal since March last year. Exactly. It's at that point that I'm hoping this game goes to overtime and they end up going to a shootout because I got Arvi Pernard as the last goal scorer of the game to make a profit of four hundred dollars. Now we get to period number three. Cole Caulfield on the power play. This is a great pass by Suzuki once again. And Caulfield uh, in close on a little bit of an angle. He beats Georgiev like upstairs, glove side like that. That's We talk about 40 goal scorers mm-hmm. and their ability to shoot the puck and, and, and pick corners. That was an elite goal scorer's yeah. shot. And Kent Hughes, Montreal Canadiens GM, was asked about Caulfield earlier this morning and asked if he was worried or he was concerned. And he said, I'm not worried. I'm not concerned. But yes, his goal scoring has gone down. Uh, if you take a player, look at players in the National Hockey League that have scored 11 or 12 goals and Caulfield at 12 coming into this game. He goes, his shooting percentage was like in the 7%. Mm-hmm. And that was like kind of like 112th in the National Hockey League. So he and the coaches have to find a way to bring up that shooting percentage. And then he said, he said, players that score goals, it's very tough to, to maintain consistency. Like the Ovechkins do it. They score 40 plus like every year for everybody else. And, you know, guys that are not in that category, it's very hard. There's the one thing I don't want is I don't want Caulfield to change the way he plays because he's starting to feel the pressure of having to score goals. And if I take a look at his demeanor, on and off the ice and in the room, he goes, it, it, it leads me to believe that he's not feeling the pressure because he's still in very good spirits and he's a very important player for the yep. spirit of the locker room. Anyway, he gives the Montreal Canadiens a 3-2 lead. Devin Taves is able to rifle one home himself and he ties it at three. Yoel Armia on some really hard work once again, especially by Armia on a line with Stevens and Monaghan. Uh, Armia uh, in close. He's able to uh, to pick the corner and put it in. And once again, Armia is seventh in like 16 fewer games than he did it a year ago. And uh, let's take a look at the shots on goal. And there you have it. 16-13 for Montreal in period number one. 13-10 for Colorado in period number two. Uh, 9-8 for Colorado in period number three. 35-34 overall for Colorado. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens won 61.4% of the draws tonight. They go two for two on the power play. Colorado won one for four. The Canadians, there was a five on three that they were able to kill off, which was, I thought, a big turning point in this hockey game. There were a couple of big turning points in the hockey game. 
And once again, that's a huge win for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, who would have thought they would have beat the Colorado Avalanche? They did, man. They really did. They really yeah, did. I, I wouldn't have thought that either. And um, talking about Armia, man, he was playing with some jump tonight. Like even in the first period, he, the way he went through the neutral zone and he, he, he just played with some speed. And even when I even when I, I saw him with the Rocket this year, I mean, when he was sent down to Laval, I mean, I didn't expect Armia to show up and and work and be a good vet. But honestly, it was the best player on the ice when I saw him with the Rockets. So I don't know if something clicked, and maybe it was the right call to send him here because uh, he's playing some uh, some good hockey lately. And when he when he wants to play good hockey, the thing is, Joel Armia can very well play good hockey, but he doesn't always want to. Somehow he he, he does want to these days. Yeah, you know, uh, Kent Hughes uh, earlier today also had a one on one with Jean Charles Lajoie, of course, of yeah. TVS Sport. And Jean-Charles asked Kent Hughes, uh, Jake Allen, it's out of the question to send them to Laval? And Kent Hughes looked at him and said, yes, Jake Allen, it's out of the question to send them to Laval. He's a real good veteran. He's had a real good career. He's very, very respected in that locker room. You don't do that to a guy like him type of thing. And it just it got me thinking, right, because Armia is a veteran in the National Hockey League too, right? He's been in the league for yeah. quite some time. But yeah, they had no... They, They had no problem sending Armia to the Laval Rocket twice. No. Right? No. Jake Al So, and because, why? Because Allen gives you everything he's got, whether it's good enough or it's not good enough. You're not saying, I wish this guy would have tried more. You know that this guy is a gamer. He's working. Armia, unfortunately not, because if you take a look at Armia's second effort on that play, if that would be Armia night in and night out, He'd be on the top two lines without question every night. If that would be Armia, night in, night out, the way you saw him on that shift with that work ethic. As a matter of fact, it's a couple of weeks now. Armia's had a real good couple of weeks for the Canadians. I mean, Tony, I go even further than that. I mean, I remember Armia even during his draft year. He was touted as this uh, uh, this future elite power forward. I mean, Armia... If you're only talking about his skills during his prime, he could have been like a first or second line forward easily. He could have scored like 60 or perhaps 70 points if that guy had the work ethic. I mean, his skills, uh, if you ask the, 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 the Montreal Canadiens uh, players around the locker room, they will tell you Joel Armia as one of the heaviest shots on the team, as one of the best hands on the team. He's, the most, he's one of the most talented players of this abs team. But like, like we said, he... He's, he's not consistent and he doesn't want to doesn't want to doesn't want to work every night so you that that's what you get you know i'm wondering too if um if you know what kent hughes had to say earlier today uh i'm wondering if that kind of lit a fire under allen too and uh and and made him feel good about himself when kent hughes was talking the way he was talking. Once again, for those of you who missed it, and I'll concentrate on this, I think, tomorrow at large, but uh, Kent Hughes saying, yes, his decision to have three goalies in Montreal yeah. this season. The plan was not to finish the season with three goalies, but it's not 100% certain that a goalie will be traded between now and the end of the year. And what he did say is that, once again, the three goalies is because... Um, he, they felt that Caden Primo was going to be picked up on waivers if they were going to put him on waivers. 
So there you have it. Uh, what does that mean? Translation? It means Allen's going to be the guy they're going to trade. I think Nick anyway. Correct me if I'm wrong. And they're if they're they trying, Tony. And if they can't do it this year before the deadline, well, they're going to try and do it next year before the deadline when his contract is going to be up next year at the end of the year, of course. But that's the reason I think why they haven't traded Allen because they haven't got the deal that they wanted to get. And so they're not just going to give him away. They're going to, they're basically, these guys are stockbrokers, man. Gordon and Hughes, no, I've, I've been yeah. they're stockbrokers. And don't forget John Segway. The capologist, of course. Yeah. Of the team. But, but Tony, their decision is made at this point. When when Caden Primo showed promise this year and showed that uh, when he bounced back and, and showed that he can play in the National Hockey League, their decision was already made that they were going to trade Jake Allen. But the thing is, trading Jake Allen really is not easy during the season uh, because of the cap, of course. Uh, it, it is is that extra year to his contract that also complicate things. If he didn't have that extra year and you would turn UFA, I mean that's one thing. But with an extra year, it's uh it adds an extra layer layer of, of difficulty. But you know what, Jake Allen can be traded during the summer. That's the thing. He can be traded during the summer. Uh, it's way easier to make these trades be uh, during the summer. I I think if. If he thought he, he couldn't make a trade, uh, he could trade Jake Allen, it would have already be, been done. So it's not going to happen at the deadline. But I think it's it's one of those things that get done during the summer. Oh, you think it gets done during the summer? Yeah. Look, it's possible it gets done during the summer. Um, the way it's possible that it might go all the way to next year before the deadline. But let's be honest. Let's be honest. Can't use Jeff Gordon. Marty St. Louis doesn't want to put up with three goalies for at least, for, you know, for another 14 months. He doesn't want to do that. Um, Moltambo doesn't want that. Yeah, Kane but Primo doesn't want that. Allen doesn't, doesn't want, want to make that. a bad trade either, either, Tony. That's the thing. You, you no, have what, I, what I was saying is saying keeping three goalies, another is making a bad trade. Pick the, pick the, the best poison you can. You're, you're right. But once again, what I said was you're probably right that it'll be done in the summer and not. Next year's deadline, because next year's deadline would be another 14 months. So what I'm saying is, uh, of course, yes, they'll try their very look. They'll try their very best to pull it off, but before this year's deadline, and if they don't, they'll try their very best at that point at the draft. You know, they're they're going to put their best foot forward here in the next couple of months. They'd rather not wait until next year before the deadline because then. Uh, Caden Primo's not playing as many games as they want. Moltambo is not playing mm -hmm. as many games as they want. No, I agree with you. This three goalie system that drives coaches crazy, it's going to continue. So it's not good. Hey, it, look, know? Tony, if, if we come in uh, at the golf tournament next year at the Laval sur la Lac uh, and, uh, and we still have three goalies, I mean, no, no bueno. There, there's, there's a problem here. Yeah, no, no, you're, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, look, we, Slavkowski. Uh, I, I saw something from uh, our buddy Grant McCagg. How would you evaluate Slavkowski's defensive play the last couple of months? Huh, I mean, you said you said elite quite a few times with Nick Suzuki. I would say UI Slavkowski's play defensively has been bordering on elite. As, in terms of if we include like things like a four check and all the off the puck play in the defensive play, I, I think it's really close to elite. I mean, Slavkowski, as I see, is going to be one of the most efficient four checkers in this league, uh, bar none. And uh, the, the space he creates in the O-zone 
for Suzuki and Caulfield is it's is really what makes this uh, combination work. I mean, the the, the amount of time Stoney that he goes deep in the zone and digs a puck out of the corner with maybe two guys around him. He, he, he comes out from behind the net and he sets up Suzuki uh, and Caulfield. I mean, he's been doing that countless times. It's kind of his trademark now. And when he, and he I, I love it that, um, I mean, he made a bad pass in the neutral zone the first period. And, and I, the, the, the first thing I noticed is he was so quick to get back on the play and repair his mistake. So that's what that's what I love about him. He's really driven. Uh, clearly, he has the right attitude, and that's one of the big reasons they made him the first overall pick. But the intangibles are there with Selfkowski, and that's why he's been so solid defensively, in my opinion. All right. Okay. Uh, hey, um, I you know um, I want to talk about it, and I want to get it away now. Uh, get it out of the way now, because I obviously don't want to forget uh, Bob the Fire. Bob yep. the Fire, uh, it's uh, he's retiring. Robert Laflamme, who has covered the Montreal Canadiens uh, for a very, very, very long time, um, used to cover the Quebec Nordiques before that, right? Uh, he is uh, a member of the media for um, NHL.com en français, LNH.com. Uh, he's retiring, and uh, Marty Saint Louis presented him with a Montreal Canadiens jersey with a number 35 in the back, autographed by uh, the team, of course. Uh, real nice gesture by the Montreal Canadiens. This is this is uh, this is Marty Saint Louis. It's uh, Jeff Gordon. It's Kent Hughes. It's Chantal Maccabee. This is who the Montreal Canadiens are right now. It's little things like this. It's uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, nice picture with Marty St. Louis and uh, Bob the Fire, Robert Laflamme, right after the game. And it's made its way onto uh, social media, which is uh, pretty cool. Uh, I asked you about Slavkovsky's defensive play because uh, our, our collaborator, Grant McCagg, uh, regular collaborator, and also, of course, uh, co-host of uh, the Recruits Draftcast podcast on the Sick Media Network, was tweeting out that, uh, in his opinion, Slavkovsky has been the Montreal Canadiens' best defensive forward in the last couple of months. He doesn't think it's been close. And supposedly on English television, uh, they they highlighted a couple of uh, defensive mishaps or miscues, and they talked yeah. about the fact that he has to work on his defensive game. And Grant was saying, I don't know of another 19-year-old in the National Hockey League whose defensive game is nearly as close or as good as Slavkovsky's is. So, um, uh, anyway. I mean, there are a lot of concerns maybe with Slavkovsky's game. Uh, maybe the, the way he sees the eye sometimes. Uh, uh, the fact that he maybe does not use his shot as often as we would like. But defensive play, I mean, you're not paying attention if you're saying Slavkovsky has been having some issues defensively these last few games. I, I don't, if, if you're telling that to Matt, I mean, I, I don't know what you're seeing. Clearly, yeah. maybe I need some glasses. Maybe I need to go to Lazikam Day, but we're not seeing the same games. Okay. We're going to get to the accent insurance solution moment of the game. What was the moment of the game for you? And before you say it, there's two of them that come to mind for me. Okay. I'm going to write it down on a piece of paper. This way, if you have the same moment that I have, by the way, the moment can be any moment of the game. Okay. Hold on a second here. Hold on. Accent insurance moment of the game.
Okay, so I'm gonna write uh, write two things here. Okay, so I need two moments. No, one moment of the game. Okay, okay one moment of the game. Uh, so there are three moments. Uh, okay. I put down three moments in the game that I thought were big-time moments in the hockey game. And ultimately, what you and I are going to choose is we're going to choose the accent insurance moment of the game. And uh, I'll end up choosing the same one that you choose. But I have three of them that I just jotted down here. What do you have? My moment would be uh, our Ripinar's goal. Wow. Your moment, RV Pinar's goal. I'm is not so even, sorry, Tony. It's not even one of the three that I jotted down. So you're ready to see what I jotted down? Well, sure. Yeah. Five on three Five PK. On three. Okay. Armia goal. Allen's two stops on McKinnon and close. That's what I, I had. But the, you, you know, good picks, but you know why I, I picked RV Pinar? The goal that tied it at two, by the way, was RV Pinar's goal. Yes. Yeah, but not it's not not only that, but the fact that Arvipinar, I mean, there's a guy that scored what like 13 or 14 goals. He was a key player of that team on the last stretch of the season last year, and he had he had a rough go to the season. He was cons consistently injured, and and it, it took quite a while to see the Arvipinar we saw last year. And it and I think he's a really important player for the Canadians to get going. So. The fact that we saw the good old RVPNR of last season, I think, might be a, a turning point for him. Maybe for for the Canadians to get some momentum going. But I think it's uh we cannot understate how big that goal was for him too. All right. Okay. So why don't we do this? I want to take a look at YouTube Live right now. Uh, what what is your uh, accent insurance moment of the game? Ultimately. I would go with the Armia goal that gave the Canadians a 4-3 lead. You went with the RV Pinar goal that tied the game at two. There's other moments. Let's read them out. Okay, starting with um, 66 pinning, which is uh, Stefani Quebec Cité, Raphael RV Pinar's goal, he says. All right, okay, others. Let's go. YouTube Live right now. What, what is the, your accent insurance moment of the game martin says pinar's goal joseph says the five on three pk the penalty kill uh, julian uh says pinard missing the empty net pierre cluzia says rafael rv pinard's goal uh bobby says the game-winning goal is always the key moment in a one goal game picard says the cole caulfield snipe on the power play why don't i just end it here uh, Cole Caulfield's power play goal, the five on three PK, the five on three PK kill. Uh, you know what? I, I think maybe the five on three penalty kill be the five on three PK, Tony. Yeah, I, I think the uh, the five on three PK is the one that probably uh has more votes right now. Uh, I'm not counting, I stopped at one point here, but um, I, I think that could be the one. All right, so why don't we do this? Uh, it's not going to be one of yours, and it won't be one of mine. This way, it's it'll be it'll be somewhat uh, neutral, somewhat in the middle. The accent insurance moment of the game 
was the Montreal Canadiens killing off a five-on-three penalty kill, which gave the Canadians all kinds of momentum, kept them in the game, and then they keep they just came roaring back. And of course, ultimately, Yoel Armia ends up getting the game-winning goal. The Canadians beat the Colorado Avalanche by a score of four to three. We are going to take your calls uh, in this um, sick podcast post-game edition, of course, right after the game between the Canadians and the Avalanche. And so, why don't we get to you called? You called. Presented by Playground. You called. Presented by Playground, of course. Uh, and uh, why don't you call us at one triple eight five eight five six one triple eight five eight five seven four two five. Let's do that. One triple eight five eight five six one triple eight five eight five seven four two five. Give us a call right now and and you know tell us what's on your mind. We're gonna get to your phone calls. What do you want to talk about? You want to talk about Nick Suzuki, elite, yes or no? Cole Caulfield, maybe inspired by what the general manager had to say, or maybe motivated by what the general manager had to say this morning, because uh, Kent Hughes was rather diplomatic, but uh, if you could read between the lines, uh, it almost sounded like he was saying he expected more from Cole Caulfield in terms of goal production. I think uh, so do all Montreal Canadiens fans, because we know what he's capable of uh, going on a... um, uh, you know, basically uh, on a pace of, what, 46 goals last year, if you take mm-hmm. a look at the way he was uh, uh, scoring at the rate that he was scoring on. Yoel Armia, his performance tonight, the effort on his game-winning goal, uh, Montreal Canadiens beating the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, who would have thought that? I heard some predictions earlier on today on TV, on television. I mean, a lot of people were taking a look at saying, okay, Colorado Avalanche minus one and a half, they'll cover that. They'll beat the Montreal Canadiens. The Montreal Canadiens end up winning the game outright. One triple eight five eight five seven four two five. I've been away. I was away. I was in Portugal for seventeen days, and uh, I wasn't doing post game editions because, of course, when the games would be over at nine forty five p.m., it would be um, it would be two forty five a.m. Portugal time. So I wasn't about to do that. So I don't remember when was the last time I took calls. So you know what? Why don't you call me? Wish me a happy new year. I'll wish you a happy new year back. And uh, and let's talk Montreal Canadiens hockey right here on the Sick Podcast. I'm Marinero, and joining me, of course, Nicolas Cloutier of TVA Sport. Before we get to those phone calls, speaking of that presser earlier this morning, is there one thing that caught your attention more than anything else? Um, I, I believe Anthony Martineau asked uh, Kent Hughes uh, about the, the draft decision regarding Ryan Backer. Because uh, at the time when they drafted Ryan Backer, the, the reason they provided was we think we have more pr- production coming out of our uh, top forwards. Maybe that production isn't materialized yet. Uh, I found Kent Hughes' uh, answers interesting because he was basically saying it's just that the work isn't done yet uh, as far as the forwards. Uh, we But we did draft a forward first overall uh, in the 2022 draft. Uh, yeah. We did draft – I mean, the three, the three first players they drafted in 2022 were forwards – that was his answer. I mean, you can you can find it convincing or not, but uh, and, and he did say that the plan was to add uh, uh, offensive players moving forward. Uh, of course, and he acknowledged that people were thinking about the about Mishkov the same way people were thinking about Shane Wright. But he he does seem still pretty convinced that Ryan Backer was the right pick. Uh, I find it interesting because recently uh, Marc-Antoine Godin mentioned in, uh, in a podcast with uh, Bazou, I believe, that 
Internally, the Canadians, when they talk about Rhinebacker, they, they see him as a kind of Noah Dobson, which I find very interesting because, as you know, Tony, Noah Dobson has been having an outstanding season with the Islanders. Yeah. Um, it, it took him a few years to get going, but if Rhinebacker could become that kind of demon, even if Mishkov does become elite, that's still a great pick at five. If 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 uh, Rhinebacker becomes Noah Dobson, it's a great pick. But my interpretation of Kent Hughes' answer today, there's three things that I, I thought of when he was answering the question, three or four things. One of which is, I think he knows that Anthony Martineau is the president of the Michkov fan club. Uh, the way he answered Anthony and brought up Michkov, I think he knows that uh, Anthony was very, very high on Michkov back then and still is now. Number one. Number two, uh, his answer tells me that he is very high on Rhinebacker, mm-hmm. and and they think that Rhinebacker is a better defenseman than maybe what's going to go in the draft this year, and that's why they drafted him. Yeah. Number three, it leads me to believe that they have a lot of confidence in the forwards that they have here already for drafting Rhinebacker. Mm-hmm. And number four, they're either going to use a defenseman, um, or who knows, it might be via free agency to bring in a forward to help this group because they still believe that they are one um, one forward away and um, and they can acquire that forward. Let's go to Sean. Sean, what's going on? Hey, Tony, how are you? Very good, very uh, good. What's going year. on? Happy New Year to you and yours as well. I just wanted to call in because nobody else was calling in and I figured... Oh, my God. My no, shot, no, first-time caller. Okay, welcome, welcome. I, uh, I, I wish... I can give you. Uh, Agnello hasn't told me that we've ordered some T-shirts or anything like that. So uh, the only thing I could find no, on, okay. on my desk right now is crunching into your bid on me. Is some uh, some duct tape? I don't know if you want me to send you the duct tape or not. What's on your mind, Sean? <laughs> I just wanted to say how excited I am with the Habs and how well they're playing. Talk to me. Talk to me. Tell me about that. Well, how excited are you? I don't know. Uh, I was having a little bit of. Uh, I don't know, dilemma with my fandom, I guess. I was having a hard time there for a while. Okay. All the losing and the talk of the first-round picks and, you know, it kind of bummed me out a bit. Okay. But the recent play has really invigorated my fandom. And, you know, RHP is playing well. Um, Armia. Uh, Armia is playing well, man. Armia is playing well. Seven games and 16 less games. playing well. Everybody's Alan had a good one tonight. Alan had a good. Hey, by the way, you know who else had a good one tonight? Michael yeah. Math. Michael Matheson had a good one tonight. Like it seemed like it seemed like McKinnon and uh, and McCarr and Rantanen. It seemed like those guys were on the ice the entire night. As a matter of fact, they had a power play which ended up being after a two man power play. Uh, they called a timeout so that those guys could stay on the ice. Those guys played a ton tonight. Nathan McKinnon played 28 minutes and 56 seconds. Rantanen played 29-18. McCarr played 29-17. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I think Colorado's going to win tomorrow night in Ottawa. I do. But you know what? Those guys playing those amount of minutes, maybe you might want to put a dollar or two on the Senators tomorrow. I mean, how much, how much gas are those guys going to have left in the tank tomorrow night? Defense? They're elite athletes. I get it, but that's that's a lot of playing time, man. That's a lot of playing time. Well, 
I had Batherson in my pool. I don't know. They're kind of not playing very well right now. No, no. I, the Ottawa Senators right now are not playing well. I get it. They give up a ton of goals every game. And uh, unfortunately, the Jacques Martin effect has uh, has not uh, has not paid no. off. Nick, Nick, your thoughts on that? I, I know we're talking Habs here, but your thoughts on uh, on the Senators? I mean, on the Senators? Let's be on- well, yeah, let's be honest. We all call for DJ Smith's job, all of us. I'm going to say this, Tony. When you yeah. want a full-blown rebuild, sometimes think about the Ottawa Sanders. Because it's, it's not all sunshine and rainbows all the time. Sometimes you, you rebuild and you, you, you're, you're thinking it's only going to take four or five years. Sometimes it takes eight years and you're never good. So I'm just saying. Well, or the Oilers well, and, you know, the Leafs. Uh, the, the Arizona Coyotes. But the Coyotes the Coyotes this year, I've seen them play some real good games. But the Coyotes and the Sabres, those are two organizations that did a rebuild, and they were in the, they were in the basement for quite some time. They were in the basement for quite some time. Well, Ingram's carrying yeah. the team on his back, basically, at this point. In uh, Connor Ingram's playing real well. You're right about that. Hey, thanks so much for the full call, and welcome once again, your first call ever on the SIG Podcast. I appreciate it, my man. I appreciate it. So somebody, I, I posted the uh, the uh, my bet of $16 to win 416 of Rafael RV Pinar to be the last goal scorer in tonight's game, and somebody replied, are you betting on the games? I'm, I'm allowed. I don't, I don't work for the Montreal Canadiens, so. Right? I'm allowed? Am I allowed yeah. or did I? I'm allowed. You, you, Tony. You're That's allowed it. to lose your money however I, you I, want. I'm allowed, yes. Yeah. I'm allowed, yeah. Jeremy. Jeremy. Yes. What's Tony. going on? Oh, not much, man. I was just watching the game tonight. Really impressed with Nick Suzuki. Yeah. Oh, he did a great job. Tell me what's going on with me. What's going on with you? Man, well, you're just back from uh, Portugal, right? Yeah. So I'm going to tell you what's going on, okay? Um, I have a mosquito bite right, that has been driving me crazy for like since the show started. And I've been scratching it, and it, it's been itching, and I've been scratching at it the whole time. I just, I just put a piece of duct tape over it. Like, I've never done this before in my life, but I put a piece of duct tape over my mosquito bite. Tony, which that, is on my right ankle. So stupid. Yeah. Why? I, Why would I you do duct tape on a mosquito bite? Who knows? I, I don't know because I'm just scratching it's it. Therapeutic or anything? No, I, I I know it's stupid, but the fact that I'm scratching it by having the duct tape there now, I'm hoping that I'll just on okay. since the tape's there, I won't scratch anymore. Well, I would love to be there when you take it off, though. I would just love it. I, I, but that's what I'm hoping for. That when I rip it off, for whatever reason, maybe it just. Who knows? Maybe I'm on the verge of something here. If it works and it I stop it stops itching, right? Maybe I could come out with the first duct tape uh to to relieve mosquito bites. You never know. You never know. Hey, anyway. Look, you lost money tonight. If you can make some uh some bucks out of that, I'm all for it, but I could have I, I, I don't think this thing's gonna be working for you. I, I could have made some real nice bucks if you would have saw. Uh, my bet on the, the the Vegas Golden Knights to to cover one and a half, and I was I was just about to click send, and then I said, Nah, this I just is ah, my God, this is this is what it is, folks. This is what it is. Um, 
on these apps. But, uh, you know, anyway, uh, have fun with it. Have fun with it. Jeremy, your thoughts on the game tonight? Your thoughts on the game tonight? Honestly, I thought they, they played pretty well. But I have a question for you both. Yeah. Um, you know, I've seen, uh, I've been watching lots of the games. And yeah. I've seen lots of the players snaked it, right? We, it's not just the high-producing ones that Cole Caulfield should be at, you know, maybe hopefully 15, 16 right now, but he's kind of slowing down a little bit. Um, but almost every forward on the Montreal Canadiens right now has been snake bitten or is currently snake bitten. So I'm not hitting the panic button right now, but at what point do we say coaching needs to spark a change? I know they don't have high offensive talent right now, but looking at previous years, it's higher than it was before. So my question to you guys, is it inexperience with Marty or is it just a rough test that they're going through, trying out a new coach, trying out, new systems, new playmaking abilities. What do you think? Nick, I'll give you the opportunity to answer first. I know I have my opinion on this. Um, There is some variance involved in this, and I think it's going to correct somehow in the second half of the season. So that's one part. The second part is, I think you alluded to it. I mean, snake bitten, not snake bitten. There's not that much talent on the roster. So um, I don't know how many goals we were expecting out of this group, but Okay, maybe they, they, they could have had um, uh, 10 or 15 more goals than, than they, they do right now. But I know I, I, don't, think, I don't think they're that much snake-bitten. If you look at I would be curious to look after this show at the expected goals for the Canadians to see how snake-bitten they are. But I really think this is a, a function of the lack of offensive talent in this group right now and, and it's something i mean they're on a rebuild okay so it's something that's going to be fixed uh over the, the the following years i mean you you saw some of that i mean uh, joshua Hua, he was playing tonight i mean we we haven't noticed him on the ice and he didn't do too well in in, in those two games but I, I saw him in laval uh he's a very high hockey, hockey player when you uh, as when you try to when you you're you're going to bring those players in when you're going to develop those ice skill forwards you're not going to be talking about players snake bitten that much because those players have talent. Those players can pick the corners. So it's a problem that that's going to correct itself over the next few years. I don't think it's uh, Marty St. Louis' fault. I, I don't think Martin St. Louis is, uh, is extinguishing anything. All right. This is what I think. They're a below average team going into the season and they lose Kirby Doc four periods in. And he's out for the year. Exactly. And Dvorak misses the first month, plays the second, then he gets injured, and he's out for the remainder of the year. And Raphael Arvi Pinard missed a couple of months. And Gouley missed four games. And uh, Savard missed six weeks. And the defense and defensemen like that, they add to the offense of the team, of course. And uh, Newhook is there for the first month and a half and puts up real good numbers, all things considering coming from a new team. And he gets hurt, and he's out for four months. So now you have a team that finished fifth last last year that did not get considerably better in the offseason, uh, that is still, is still very young and struggles with consistency, and then has the injuries that they had. Uh, you know, if they don't score a lot of goals at five on five, where they don't get a lot of goals from their forwards, I think it's got nothing to do with Marty St. Louis. Nothing. You know what I think has to do with Marty, like with Marty St. Louis? 
that the Canadians can compete with the Colorado Avalanche despite all those injuries the way they did tonight. That the Canadians, yes, Montembeau stole the game, but showed that they can compete versus Dallas and they can compete versus the Rangers. The way the Canadians are going toe-to-toe with some of these big-time teams, with all the injuries they have and have had, I got to tell you, makes me very optimistic for the future. It makes me very optimistic for the future. Big time. So you guys think with uh, with Doc, with Newhook, with uh, all the injuries out, where do you think uh, realistically they'd be right now? Do you see where they're at? They're, what, six points away, seven points I, away from a look, playoff spot? Look, it's, it, a playoff spot? I'll say this. I'll say this. I'm not going to say if all the injured players didn't get injured because that's not realistic either, right? But why don't we say this? Take a look at the players that have been out so far this season. If those players would have missed half the games that they missed, so you cut down the injuries by 50%, I think the Canadians are in a wild card spot right now. Oh. Oh. Well, they're not that far off, Nick. Mozitomo. Hmm, I think they have Yeah, they they might have a couple more wins. Well, if they have a, a win per month, is that realistic? Sure. A win per month. Okay, a win per month. Well, hey, that's, All right. that's six points. That's a wild card spot. That's a wild card spot. Yeah. I mean, the goalies have been playing so well too, so Yeah, but I mean of... the goal, the goalies would still play well. Sure. Yeah. The I don't know that that muddies the water for me a bit. I mean, they're, but they're just. I don't think that this this play is going to hold up. I, I mean, at some point, they're go, they're going to give up some bad goals. Tampa Bay right now is in the second wild card spot. They have six points up on the Montreal Canadiens, and the Canadiens have a game in hand. So you give the Montreal Canadiens one win per month, one in October, November, December, January. That's uh, that's uh, four more wins right now. Uh, season started mid October. We're mid January. Yeah. Uh, November, December, January, October, November, December, January. Four months. Well, actually, I mean, October to January is. Relatively, we could say mid October to mid January. Actually, three months. Yeah. So, I think they're there. I think they're there. I think they're knocking on. Uh, they're knocking on the door. Appreciate okay. your call, my man. Thanks so much. Let's get to more calls. Let's, no uh, what, why don't we get to uh, no problem at all? All right. Thank you for doing that. Well, do we have one more? Do we want to get to one more? Yes or no? We're going to get to one more? Last one, all right? Sylvain is in Montreal. Sylvain, hey. comment ça va? No, no, from Blainville. How are you, Tony? Ah, from Blainville. Comment ça va, Blainville? <laughs> Everything goes uh, beautiful. Thank you, Tony. Always all a right. pleasure talking to you. All right, this is something I have a question for you. Uh, I love the game, of course. Uh, I like my team. Um, I have a question. Uh, at the trading time, do, would you keep Madison or Savard, or you will let go both of them? That's one of my questions. Another one is uh, right. you go and uh, get uh, Trevor Zegris to put with Doc and Monaghan, because I would keep Monaghan because he brings a lot of uh, experience for the forwards. And right. He, he got uh, 80 points, you know, in a certain season. So he's point-wise our best player. But on the first line with Doc and, let's say, Zegris. And would you keep Madison or Savard? I would, I think, okay. Savard. 
So here's, these are my questions so far, my friend. OK. Je vais répondre à ça. Let's keep Sylvain on the line. Puis je vais le faire en français. Merci euh, de, de me poser la question dans ta deuxième langue. Et moi, je vais te répondre dans ma deuxième langue. Donc, euh, je vais dire ça, and I will translate. Moi, je change ni Savard, ni Matheson cette année. Ni un, ni l'autre. Le contrat de, de Savard, ça prend fin l'année prochaine. Moi, je change David Savard l'année prochaine à la date limite des transactions. Et l'année après ça, je change Michael Matheson. Sur ça, je vais poser, je vais faire répondre à, à Nicolas Cloutier. Nick, what I said was, I'm not trading neither Savard or Matheson right away. I hold on to them for this season. I'll trade David Savard next year at the deadline. And I'll trade Michael Matheson the year after that at the deadline. Your thoughts? But I do think it's logical because they are the only two vets on that blue line and you cannot have only youngsters on a blue line. So they do need these vets to, to develop. So it fits, it's more logical within your timeline because we can expect some more um, D-men to come in over the next few years. So they're going to replace Madison. They're going to play or, or, or Savard or some of the, 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 the young guy, youngsters that we already have on will, uh, by this point, have become young vets. So it makes more sense than just going with uh, with a rookie blue line or with young only youngsters on the blue line and trading the only two vets. Sylvain, est-ce que tu avais une autre question? Yeah, uh, another thing is, uh, would you go for, because we're lacking talent. Zegris has full of talent. Would you go for him uh, to put on the first line uh, with Doc and somebody else? Would you J'adore le talent. J'adore le talent. I love talent. J'adore le talent de Zegris. I love Zegris's talent. I question Zegris's compete level. I'm going to tell you what I think you're getting. Okay. Okay. I think you're getting a player with Kovalev characteristics. Je pense que t'acquiert un joueur avec des caractéristiques de 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 d'Alex Kovalev. And as you recall, Kovalev could wow the fans. Um, there were games where you loved him, and there were games where you didn't want him on your team. And I think that's the kind of player that Zegers is. Now, I love talent. Would I take Zegris on my team? I wouldn't say no. Yes, I would. I don't think Zegris is a Jeff Gorton, Kent Hughes, Marty St. Louis kind of player in terms of the culture they're trying to build here. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Um, maybe they feel that Zegris would bring out the best in Caulfield. Or maybe he wouldn't be a good influence on Caulfield. I can't speak for them. I love the player in terms of the talent. I don't think they're going to go after him because of the culture they're trying to build here. Nicola? Hey, I'm going to say this, Tony. If they were enamored by Trevor Zegers type players, they would have drafted Matvey Mishkov. So end of discussion for me. Oh. Okay. Well, okay. hold on a second. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Hold on a second. Hold on one second. I understand your point, but they didn't draft Michkov not only because he's a Zegers kind of player. They didn't draft Michkov because he's a Russian playing in the KHL who signed the contract extension that was for three years that he wouldn't be able to make it to the National Hockey League. And 
the teams there can screw around with your development and they can sit you and not play you or bench you to try and get you to sign another contract if they think that you're going to go to the National Hockey League one day. And there's a risk of actually signing an extension and staying in the KHL longer than those three years. Those are other reasons why they didn't draft. Look at the forwards they drafted since uh, Ken Hughes has been running the show. They're all two-way forwards. They only draft two-way forwards. But I hope you like Usurpend said about uh, Trevor Connolly. I looked at him seriously. Oh, my goodness. He's going to be something else. Usurpend, eh? Uh, I mean, Trevor Connolly. Who said yeah. that is like uh, yeah. out, uh, on him, but we don't have to talk too much about him because they're, I think, drafting him in, in uh, the, you know the draft list like 13, 12, something like that. Pretty good. I don't think he's there. And Simon Boivay has him second. So uh, yeah. let's, let's wait on that. Yeah, we will. Uh, we we'll definitely wait. But I like the fact that you call him Muzerped. I have to have T-shirts made for that guy. I got to tell you, they call him the Snake. I call You're him right. Uzerpent. Uzerpent. <laughs> hey, Sylvain, uh, merci beaucoup. Hein? Merci, j'apprécie que vous m'appelez énormément. OK, very well. Yes. Me- merci, mon ami. Merci. C'est bien gentil de ta part de m'appeler. All right, there you have it. That was Sylvain in beautiful Blainville. On that note, Nicolas Cloutier, we went overtime tonight, my friend. Oh, yeah. uh, it's Look at that. It's already 11.09 p.m. It feels real good to be back in, uh, in, in the studios of the SICK podcast right here. And uh, once again, thanks so much, Nicolas Cloutier of TVA Sport, for um, your collaboration tonight and everything you brought to the table, man. You brought it tonight. Yeah, you no, were, thank you, were you Tony. It. Now get some rest, okay? Uh, yeah, yeah, you know what? I'm going to get some. I, 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 I can't sleep on the plane. Am I the only one who can't No, I, sleep I cannot me? sleep on the plane. You, you for the life of me, I cannot sleep on the plane. I don't know how people do it. By the way, uh, if anyone was on a plane returning to Montreal last night, They'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You didn't have to be on mine, but whether whether you're on a, coming from anywhere, um, the turbulence last night was it oh, was yeah. unbelievable. Oh, it That's was unbelievable. Oh were man, you it was. Oh, I was scared. Oh, you were scared. Yeah, yeah. I have to okay. tell you, I was scared. And at one point, uh, we were supposed to land at 7:50 p.m., and um, we didn't land. Uh, I think we ended up landing like 25 minutes later. At one point, we were landing, and then all of a sudden, just felt the plane go all the way up. And the pilot said, "Sorry, we were refused clearance to land, oh. so we were just going round and round until we got clearance to land." Uh, to land, but there were uh, big gusts of wind last night. But uh, for those who were coming in, uh, and I know a friend of mine was coming in from New York. I know other friend, another friend of mine was coming in from Toronto. Uh, it just seemed like all three of us had like a pretty bad turbulence experience last night, but we all made it back safe and sound. So special thanks to all those um, great pilots and and staff um, for um, making it as, you know, a difficult condition, you know, just getting us here safe and sound. We appreciate it. All right. Okay. Thanks, Nick. We'll talk to you soon, my man. Thanks. Hey, before I go, are you yeah. going to rip off that uh, that duct tape? You want to? Okay, you know what? Let's do that. Let's do that. Hold on a second. Let's do that. Hold on. I'm going to do this. Hold on. Hey, 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 hey. Careful, your hamstrings.
You ready? <laughs> Wasn't too bad. The itch is gone. The itch is gone. Is it really, though? I'm telling you, the itch is gone. Tonight on the Sick Podcast, we just came out with uh, a new anti-itch formula, and it has to do with duct tape. But, of course, the duct no tape. No air on the duct tape, though. That, that's the, why it didn't hurt. Uh, the duct tape is no, – no, I don't have any hair on my body oh. other than on my oh. head. Um, Makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. I, okay, I, Tony. Yeah, good job so, on that. Maybe maybe a little bit too personal, but I'll tell you this. Um, <laughs> okay, I don't like hair on my body. Okay, so you will not find one hair on my chest, on my armpits, on my arms, on my hands, on my legs. I I don't I don't <laughs> like hair. So I, I'm never I'm never gonna see bearded Tony. Um. Uh, Well, uh, I do grow facial hair, but uh, yeah, that's that's about it. Okay. Uh, but you're right. If I had uh, if I had hair on my ankle here, where I had that mosquito bite, maybe it would be even more effective. But you know what? The itch is gone. I was itching. Did you see me slouching down? I was like itching and scratching like the whole time. And at one point, I just saw this duct tape, and I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna put duct tape on it to make it stop, and let's see what happens. And you know what? I think it stopped. I think we're onto something here. We just have to add some kind of, uh, I don't know, some kind of cream I mean, or gel inside the duct tape, and we have our own, my own invention. You know what? I'm still skeptical, but as long as I'm included as an investor in this, no problem yes. with that. All right, Okay, Tony. my man. We'll talk See to you, you soon. All right, I mean, cheers. All right, there you have it. Nicola Cloutier of TVA Spa. Special thanks to everyone watching, uh, everyone listening. If you liked it, uh, like, uh, comment sick, and then share it with your friends, and uh, leave us a... Uh, five-star uh, review on uh, on Apple, if you can. It's our way of feeling the love. For La Bitta TB, for Energy Transportation Group, for Accent Insurance Solutions, and for Playground, I'm Marinaro. It's the Sick Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow night, same time, same place. And once again, the Montreal Canadiens beat the Colorado Avalanche by a score of four to three on goals by Yuri Slavkovsky on the power play, tying the game at one before the first period was up. Raphael RV pinar with his first of the season, tying the game up at two just before the second period was up. And in period number three, it's Caulfield to give the Canadians a 3-2 lead and Armia, who ended up scoring the game-winning goal with four minutes and 10 seconds left in regulation on a backhand in close. Um, Jake Allen, big night for him. The Canadians outshot 35-34. He picks up the win versus the Colorado Avalanche. The Canadians are going to be back at it again on Wednesday night. They take their show on the road, but between now and then, I'll be back tomorrow night, same time, same place, the Sick Podcast, weeknights at 10 p.m. For Agnello, Sammy, and Juliana at Master Control, I'm Marinero. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.